fixation, but we're here for a real education. Deep, 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 deedly deep. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, movie sheriff, Melissa Kersher. Hello. And we are today joined by our, our special guest, our, our movie newbie. We're going to call her our movie mm, deputy. Okay. Deputy. Oh, All right. Deputy. Yeah. That's and it's Allison Anderson. Hello, Hello, Allison. Hello. Hi. And we are here to watch Blazing Saddles Blazing as part Saddles. of our uh, fabulous Mel Brooks set. So uh, what we need to do first, Allison, you've never seen Blazing Saddles. I have not. So you need to tell us, what do you know about Blazing Saddles? Shockingly little. Shockingly little. Um, but what do you know? I, well, I know it's a Mel Brooks film. Okay. Well, I just said that. So yes, that's kind of a but, given. Uh, but I knew that. I did know that. Okay. I, I had That was knowledge I had coming in. Okay. Um, I know it's uh, sort of a Western. Sort of. Okay. Blazing Saddles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's horses. It's probably a Western. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen Robin Hood Men in Tights many times, so there's a reference to Blazing Saddles there. That's, <laughs> oh, yes. That's kind of the extent of it. I know, obviously, uh, race is involved in the plot. Race in is involved fashion. in the plot in some fashion. <laughs> it's, it's good to know that going in. Okay. Um, I'm assuming um, that looking at that, how it's handled in from a from 2018 eyes are it's going to be interesting. Um, okay, but yeah, interesting. <laughs> but I'm also assuming it will be funny because I do generally enjoy Mel Brooks movies. Okay, so what other Mel Brooks movies have you seen? Uh, Obviously, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Men you mentioned in tights, that, and I absolutely love that one. I could watch mm-hmm. that one over and over. Um, uh, are well, you are you a festy? Are you a Renfest person? I worked there one season. Okay. That's yeah. all it takes okay. to think Robin Hood Men's and Tights is funny. Yeah, That's it's, all it it's takes. true. It, it, I liked there's a, that before Fest. <laughs> there's, there's a certain, in, the Venn diagram of interests overlap quite okay. a bit with, with Men and Tights and I just think it's Renaissance just Festival funny. Yeah. Um, it is funny. And I liked Spaceballs a lot. Spaceballs, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to, you know, I probably, there are others, but I'm just drawing a blank on which ones are actually Mel Brooks films and which ones are are different I, I'm, uh, let's just, well that's fine yeah. space balls and men in tights so space you've seen space balls and men in tights mm-hmm. are kind of my Mel Brooks niche okay that, that but, so you have some idea what Mel Brooks films are about I do okay mm-hmm. okay so uh, yeah this is um, classic Mel, Mel Brooks one of his early mm-hmm. early films not mm-hmm. the earliest we already watched the producers yes and then we watched the producers again <laughs> um, and uh, well, so now I did. you did I did yeah. not yeah. I had seen it I, w- I would have been, I would have been, I, you, you hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. I listened to the episode. You do a glorious job of, of both being sort of me. Uh, <laughs> I was very proud of that episode. <laughs> That's high praise. That is high praise. So, um, so yeah, the, so we're going to kind of going through our Mel Brooks set. So we're going to watch Blazing Saddles now. And then next up, we're going to watch Young Frankenstein. But, uh, have you seen Young Frankenstein? I have not. Ooh, what are you doing next Sunday? <laughs> All right. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Well, yeah, All right. We'll have that conversation later. So, uh, <laughs> so in any case, we're gonna we're gonna go and watch Blazing Saddles. It is a western, and, and I, I don't know. That, I don't feel that we can really spoil that, seeing as right. it's given away in literally the first second of the film. Well, and, and uh, the title. The, yeah. ti- the title, yeah. but I mean, the the minute that you see the first shot of the movie and the first sting of music starts, if you can't figure out it's a Western, then slow. you have not watched very many <laughs> movies in your life. So so it's not a spoiler to okay. inform you that it is a Western. And it is indeed, it, it there, well... I, I think uh, contextualizing it as 1974... 1974 is, is important. Is mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just, just because it, it was... It was very forward-thinking for its time, and actually, kind of still is in terms of how it uh, deals with race relations. Okay. It very much takes it head on. Takes it. Head it does. On. It does. It uh, it it grabs race by the horns and wrestles it to the ground. <laughs> yeah, and it's. Um, I I feel like contextualizing it for 2018, it is good to know going in that Richard Pryor was one of the writers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is that is probably going to be helpful to know. Yeah. yeah. There's going to be the, moments that'll make we'll, you cringe. I'm sure. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it after. Um, yeah. because yeah. I think what 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 you'll find going in, uh, listeners and Allison. Is um, when it comes to race, I don't feel the movie ages poorly at all. Right. Okay. There are some other areas, however, <laughs> in oh, which yes. it perhaps ages 
quite poorly. So we will talk about that when we come back. We are going to go watch the movie. I hope you listeners uh, do so as well. (laughs) We'll be back in what seems like mere seconds through the magic of podcasting. I'm big fan. He rode a blazing saddle. He wore a shining star. His job to offer battle to bad men near and far. He conquered fear and he conquered hate. He turned dark night into day. He made his blazing saddle a torch to light the way. And we are back. Many horses have been punched. Yes, many schnitz and gruben have been devoured. <laughs> and we have watched Blazing Saddles. Allison, this is your first time this watching. Was my first this time. was your first Seen time. So, Blazing Saddles, yes. so you need to start by telling us what you thought about Blazing Saddles. <laughs> wow, I um, <laughs> I really did enjoy it very much. Um. And I can see what you were saying about how it would have been very innovative for its day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And actually, probably uh, cinematically also, it seemed like relatively high production values for what I think of for Mel Brooks' film for its day. Yeah, very. I thought it was very funny. um, uh, That point where he said, you know, they're trying to get the the clan guys and he's like, where are the white women at? And I laughed and I said, wow. And (laughs) wow was as much because... I really did think that was funny as because I was shocked that they went there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, um, it's it's very dated and there were obviously a lot of jokes we won't do today, but it was really quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the key thing that where all the, the racism jokes land absolutely perfectly is they kept this laser focus of the racism is coming from all the bad guys mm-hmm. and all it, it's the it and the 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 hicks <laughs> no, nobody who, nobody term. who's racist is is presented in a in a forgiving light yeah no. it's never like oh it's all okay you know even yeah. even when you get to that that point where he's like well what do you expect this is just these are just simple folks you know they're mm-hmm. morons so it's still, <laughs> yes. it's still it still lowers the hammer on them it yeah. it doesn't it doesn't forgive them their yeah. racism and at it any never point. Lets up. Yeah. No. Um, you know, it, it clearly paints Bart as the sympathetic character, the character that mm. is basically like I he deals with racism every day. He deals with it in a way that is the way I think many black people deal with racism every day, which is like fuck it, this is my life. I'm gonna mm-hmm. fucking make it work. But but at the same time it, it kind of it it represents very clearly how that is a constant thing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that Brooks chooses to to frame it in a Western where you're like, all these people in this Western, mm-hmm. in this old time, <laughs> look at how racist they were. But yeah. because, you know, you know, Richard Pryor is one, one of the writers on this, they're not really talking about the old West. Oh, no. no. And that's, no, and that's where the ending comes in. Yeah. Well, and, part and, of part of where the ending and the comes whole thing, in. the whole structure of the Wild West movies in general, that whole genre is inherently like yeah. inherently oh. racist. It it is there are really horrible implications to the entire genre. So mm-hmm. it's interesting. The it, it's clearly both a love letter to the genre, mm-hmm. but also this vicious takedown <laughs> it's amazing a profound yeah. uh yeah slap on the wrist about hey look let's t- let's let's be frank about what we're talking about here yeah just and, i think the only thing on the terms of racism that doesn't quite work is when mel brooks shows up in red face and yeah it's like, ah, talking speaking yiddish yeah the, of all the things just never mm, okay the, the the bit where they they try to make the uh, show the Native Americans in a uh, sympathetic light uh, mm-hmm. pretty much doesn't work at all. No. Yeah. It, it's, there's, it's, there's some sort of weird thing with the 70s. I mean, you see this in The Villain, which is uh, a movie that was made and, and various <laughs> other things where, where for some reason in the 70s it was high comedy to have uh, loud Jewish guys play Indian chiefs and... Mm. <laughs> 
Not it, okay. Not okay. Not it, okay. It never. Oh boy. Yeah, it, 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 you know, and, and the whole, you know, they're darker than us. Yeah, nope. That, nope. That, nope. that, that right doesn't out. work. Doesn't work at all. And, um, the, so yeah, the, I mean, there's much to talk about that's good in this movie. The, the things that don't age well, I don't think is the racism except for the native American, but yeah. that, mm-hmm. the, yeah, that, that, that stuff, held up. it holds up really well. It's the rampant homophobia near the end, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and the really horrible sexism throughout, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that stuff, that stuff, uh, you know, that's that you watch it now and you're like, huh. Yeah. I feel like they could have made similar jokes, only better. Yeah, yeah, um, and the like it, dropping the other f bomb like right in the first scene. Yes, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. The, I mean, clearly, there is a 1970s perspective on mm-hmm. homosexuality in this film. Although, it must be pointed out that while they are playing, and and the, the, the problem with it is ultimately they're playing uh, homosexuality for laughs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they're also n- normalizing it a little bit, yeah. which at the time was, was only probably, starting to happen. Yeah, probably pretty revolutionary for that. Yeah, period. so you can't really forgive it, but you can can mm-hmm. kind of go. There is, it is a baby step towards something better. It seems, yeah, it seems like there was some effort on their part to acknowledge homosexuals as people. As people, you know? yeah. Um, and even not nearly enough by no, our standards. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. People yeah. who should still be ridiculed and mocked, sure, but, people but people nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, and, and realistically, if if a bar fight barged into a, a place where a bunch of dancers are, you'd think the dancers would actually be pretty good at fighting. You think yes, they they're would. all at the peak of their physique? Yes, they, <laughs> they could. Would. They could. They could throw some serious kick action. On oh you. God! Oh, yeah. 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 The, yep. I've, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, they can they can handle them. They could have handled themselves. Oh, they could have. And they had canes too, so you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> they had sticks. Yeah. So. Okay, now I've oh, oh, I've got dreams for a new musical movie. Right? The, yeah. <laughs> Bunch of thugs bust in on a musical <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the dancers just, just wipe the floor with them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. some some interesting things about this movie. Uh I the first time I saw it was actually on on television. Ooh. And of course there's a <laughs> there's considerable parts of this film that can't really be shown as no. watched. So there's some really interesting things. There's some choices that I felt they made that actually were funnier than in the movie. And there, okay. there are also some deleted scenes that got added back in. Because they had to cut so much because oh. they had to of cut the other stuff. stuff. <laughs> so you got some so, bonus material. Yeah. So some really interesting stuff, like when they're singing the song in the church and they get to the last line, uh, this town is turning into shit. Mm-hmm. Instead of singing shit, what happens is you hear this horrible smash on the organ, uh-huh. which overplays the word. Yeah. This town is turning into... <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, there, there's another point where uh, in, they're out in the desert and he says, you know, you're probably wondering what we're doing here. You bet your ass. And the, and the, it's you bet you are, and then there's this horse whinny yeah. that, that, that comes in. And I think I think there's one other thing like that yeah. where you can clearly tell what they're going for. It's yeah. but it's dubbed over with. <gasps> yeah, and it, it, so it's, a little it's, more creative. It's yeah. actually really hilarious. <laughs> it, it, it's like if it had been in the actual movie, I would have really enjoyed it. This idea that they had to edit out the swears, but they can they can say the n word. Oh, as many times did. as they want, oh. they can they can just drop it was that. Like one of the first couple of sentences that came out, and I was like, "Oh, okay." You're like, "Oh, yeah, yeah." We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna hit it head on yeah, right at the beginning. This so is, that, this is what we're doing now. <clears throat> the other thing they do is in the Mongo scene. There's like several additional tricks that he plays on Mongo. Oh yeah, and oh. I miss them in the in the and, and it, like 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 the the last thing that happens is he sends Mongo searching for uh, treasure. You know, in the city, well, in the town, well. So he gives Mongo, you know, the diving helmet and everything uh-huh, like sure. that. Yeah. And Mongo goes down into the town well to look for treasure. And then as he's down there, a sign comes down that says, More air, 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> Poor and, Mongo. And it, it's, it's, it's like. An additional couple scenes of Warner Brothers cartoon like <laughs> Bugs Bunny. It, ja- it's just crazy. Jakes. It's great. But that is Warner Brothers Bugs Bunny. Stuff. Yes. Well, they, they yeah, use they a, use the yeah. music from it. Yes, they that. do. It's it's totally Bugs Bunny. The yeah. other edit that is the most fascinating of all 
and until I saw the theatrical release, I didn't understand why the scene was in there at all, is the fart scene. So they're sitting there and they're eating the beans and they're farting. But for television, they couldn't depict the farting. So they did the entire scene silent. So See, just... I saw a different one where they dubbed it over with belching. No, no. The first time I saw it, they just sit there, and they every just, now and again, one, one of them, them would stand, stand up. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's the worst. That is the worst. That is that, the worst. Isn't that so terrible? So it's just kind of amazing to look at what they decided to censor for television. Oh, we can't have them fart. But- we're when, gonna, when was that not able to we're be gonna, seen? We're going to show... This is one of the first movies to have audible farting as a it was, I didn't realize thing. that was so groundbreaking. It was yeah, actually... Or windbreaking. They, had to, they, actually, ah. they actually had to fight for it to be in the film. Yes. Because, because it was just like this shocking, oh my God, I can't believe you have this scene where people oh. are farting. Yep. And it must have at the time... Made the audience lose their shit. It did. <laughs> the audience would have been laughing their asses off because seriously, farting in a movie for like two minutes, yeah. all they're doing. It's not just one or two. It's a whole they're, they're just eating beans and farting and the that's audience it. must have just been falling over themselves with laughter. <laughs> because that's all cowboys would eat in, in movies is yes, beans. beans. Of course they'd fart. the consequences. It, no. it just, it, it's just amazing to me that the, the changes that they had to make for television. And then, you know, when I watched the movie again, I, there was stuff I, I miss the horse whinny over You Bet Your Ass. I really yeah. do. I really do. And I, But then I was, I was like, they're farting? <laughs> when, when, did they, when did they add this? And, and Pat, my wife, who's seen it, seen it she's like, like, this has always been in there. I'm like, what are you talking about? There's no <laughs> farting in this movie. Oh, there's, there's a lot of farting in this movie. <laughs> and wow. there's, there's also a scene near the end where the governor shows up mm-hmm. in the fake rock ridge mm-hmm. before the bad guys show up. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's super weird that they put it in because it doesn't make any sense. It's like, why did it get cut? Well, it got cut because the governor shows up and then a little while later, all the outlaws come riding in and the governor's gone. Yeah. Oh. And we don't. You don't know where the governor. We went. don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other than the governor was there, but they stick it in because they had to cut out. Uh, and but it, and it was stuff. kind of fun because it's it's uh, Mill Brooks walking up to the different cardboard people and thinking they're yeah trying to talk to them. <laughs> like literally, and they're all bobbleheads. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and he's like grabbing the spring and turning their heads to look at him. And, yeah, what are you? <laughs> look at me when I'm talking to you. <laughs> It's a, it's, it, it's so weird, and I think all those. I think there's a new Blu-ray that ha, kind of bundles together a lot of that. I've got footage. the Blazing Saddle special special edition. I think it has. Yeah, it has most stuff. of those deleted all that scenes extra stuff. on it. Mm. Um, and I do remember there was only Mel Brooks actually for some reason somehow and. And awesome for whoever decided to write this contract. He got final cut on this movie. Uh, nice. And That's unusual. Really unusual, especially, especially for something time. like this. And uh, the it, he kept hearing from executives, it's like, oh, my God, you can't. You, you got to cut this. You got to cut this. And, cut, cut and, he, and he's like, okay, okay, okay. He cut nothing except for one joke. And the wow. only joke he cut is, um, okay, so when Lily Von Schupp, gets Cleveland Little in the um, dark room and she mm-hmm. blows out the lights. Uh, she goes, is it true what they say about yeah. your people? And, you know, zip. It's twoo. It's twoo. <laughs> the joke he cut, they cut. There's one more line in that scene that says, lady, you're sucking on my arm. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. I'm like, why did they cut that? Why? That's amazing. That really needed to stay. Yes. It really needed to stay. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> but it was a blowjob joke. So I guess that wasn't a, it, it wasn't about the arm. It was about the blowjob. We sure. all know this. Yeah, and it, but the, it's really twoo, it's twoo, it's twoo. It's twoo, it's twoo. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it was, um, so we, I know, I know uh, there's plenty of trivia to cover, but we should talk a little bit about uh, some of the actors in the film. Oh, goodness, um, yes. You know, so uh, this is, again, our second our third, technically, Mel Brooks film in this series. Uh, obviously, the second one with Gene Wilder. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one, plus the next one we're going to watch, just 
it's like Gene Wilder is so freaking brilliant. Oh God, he's so great here. He is. Yes, I really it's just like him. well, and well, him and Cleavon Little, the chemistry between the two they of them really, is yeah. magic. That was a, that was a nice buddy pairing right there. They I liked are that a lot. So good, and especially since they neither of them were like the original people who were going to play those parts. Like oh, really? this, this script had a really kind of odd progression because it was written originally by. Oh God! I'm gonna Andrew. I'm gonna I, I forget the one of the writers' names, but there ultimately was a team oh, of five. This is my job. I five writers re- working oh. on this film. Google. But he he wrote this this uh, script that was kind of the bare bones of this, and it was originally going to star James Earl Jones, if I remember right. Really? <laughs> in in the lead role. Help me! But it help never, me! Help me! Somebody right, help me! Which would have been kind of. Great, but it own. never really went over, <laughs> and so Mel Brooks got hold of the script, and he be, he he used to work on Sid Caesar's show of shows, and he kind of mm-hmm. missed the writing room, so he got this team of writers together, including Richard Pryor and a couple other guys, mm-hmm. and they and he gave them the instructions of. Don't write a polite script. Yeah. <laughs> Norman Norman Steinberg. So the the writers are Mel Brooks, Norman Steinberg, Richard Pryor, Andrew Bergman, Andrew Bergman, and Alan Alan Uger or Uger yeah. Uger. Yeah. So uh, Andrew Bergman is credited for story. Yeah, mm. yeah. He was kind of the originator of the just the bare bones of it, and then um, so. Once it started developing, Mel Brooks really wanted Richard Pryor to take the part, okay. but he could not get funding for the picture because at the at that time, you know, Richard Pryor was very publicly having drug problems, and, and he couldn't get and insured, he, right? he basically no studio would fund the sure. project if, if he was attacked because they were attached. afraid Richard Pryor was going to die from a drug overdose, yeah. which was actually a very fair thing to be worried about. Sure. At the time. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. And so eventually they got Cleveland Little, who who um, really wasn't a huge name and never really became a huge name in no, movies. He but he was he's a Broadway guy. Yeah. Um, he classically trained. Uh, I think he'd graduated from Juilliard or something like that. But yeah, yeah he, he was definitely good. Yeah, and he's he's a wonderful actor, and yeah. he always wanted Juilliard. I can confirm. Yes. Oh, there we go. And he uh, always liked. You know, like the classical heavy drama parts, but mm-hmm. he never really got many of them because he was black. Sure, uh, well, he's good at the comedy. He's, he's great at comedy. comedy timing. You know? Yeah, he wound up getting attached to a bunch of comedy stuff because he's so mm-hmm. good at it, and it's yeah. what he could get. But he he is so good here. Yeah. And so for the Waco Kid part, they had um, a bunch of different folks. Uh, Attached to it, eventually they got Gig Young, and they actually started filming with Gig Young. And the first day, Gig Young shows up drunk as a skunk and starts, like, vomiting all over the set and having a physical breakdown on set. First day. Oh, nice. And so Mel Brooks stops filming, Mm -hmm. calls up Gene Wilder, and he goes, oh, my God. Please help. Please bail and out. and like the next day, you know, Gene Wilder flies out there, and he's suddenly the Waco kid. Wow. And you know, between him and it's it's just magic the the chemistry that happens between the two. They they of really those were actors. great together. And can I just pause to say how great would it be as an actor to have the kind of relationship with a filmmaker where you know if if something doesn't work out with the person they cast, they can just call you and be like, I know you got this. Come help me. Yeah. <laughs> come and make, come and make come this happen. Come and make happen. this good. <laughs> I would love just that. Just to have that level of trust. And wouldn't that be just great to get a phone call from Mel Brooks? Help me. Help me. <laughs> I'm on it, Mel. <laughs> I know. I'm the Waco kid. You. I'll be there. <laughs> there, there, there and, are some other movies Mel Brooks made where he might have needed to call Gene Wilder and do that. And <laughs> many. Didn't. Many. Which, he yeah. should have called Gene. He should yeah. have called Gene. Yeah. Didn't. Phone. But, yeah. So, yeah. Then you've got, uh, obviously... The amazing Madeline Kahn oh. in this tiny little role, and she oh. just shows up and and just pretty much takes over the film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you're like really upset because she's not in it anymore. Yeah, she really just kind of gets. But but that one scene 
or that 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 one chunk of time she gets is great. And then, of course, we have to talk a little bit about Harvey Corman. I adore mm-hmm. Harvey Corman so much. I, the, the most <laughs> depressing thing about this movie is going and looking up on the IMDb and seeing that he was not, in fact, nominated for an Academy Award for uh, Best yeah, Supporting. But, but Madeline Kahn was. Yes, but I'm saying. Which is amazing. I'm saying <laughs> yeah. that Harvey Corman, that anybody who watched that film should have voted for him just because the joke's funny. Yeah, there, there's another like weirdly prophetic joke because uh, the whole Hedy Lamar joke that runs through the movie. Sure. Um, there's a joke about her suing him mm-hmm. for the name. Yeah, and eventually the movie came out and Hedy Lamar sued the production. She did. She did. <laughs> yes, it didn't it was, work out. It, yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, settled out of court, but yeah, yeah, she wouldn't she wouldn't have just let that. Go by. No, no, especially <laughs> not Hedy Lamar. That kind of person. No, 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 no. <laughs> I know it's just a shame. Uh. <laughs> but uh, Harvey Corman was one of the regulars on the Carol Burnett Show, which yes, is one of the greatest comedy variety shows in the history of any Ever. any medium. Yeah, he was he was created. on it for like ten seasons yeah, and got I, was what f- four Emmys for it or something like mm-hmm. that he- yeah he was nominated for several Emmys won several Emmys yeah mm-hmm. and uh yeah just great great comedian and in this movie he just he just really owns the the wickedness yes <laughs> he's just so great and and of course he's part of the Star Wars holiday special so he's part of the Star Wars universe he is just part gotta, of this just got dropped in him yeah and Andy's and in Spaceballs he is in Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. He is in Spaceballs and uh, is better in that than in the Star Wars Holiday Specials. <laughs> so that's that's some good news there. Well done, he, Harvey. He's also the, vo- the voice of the Great Gazoo in the Flintstones, just saying. It's true. It's true. I knew all these things. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's true. Is there um, a Harvey Corman in-joke about him bonking his head in the window? Because he did that several times in this film, but I feel like he did that in Spaceballs, too. I can't remember right now. Uh, it, it's probably a reference to this. Yeah. Okay, because I feel like that's something they've repeated across multiple films. Mel Brooks is, is, if nothing, a little bit self-referential. Oh, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. So it certainly wouldn't surprise me, but I can't actually say for sure if that's accurate or not. It's bugging me right now. Corman is also a great artist of the accidental because one of the, I, I swear he won all of his Emmys just by cracking up. <laughs> Out of yes. character on the Carol Burnett show. Though that was part of that was part of the goal was to get Harvey Corman. Yes, to laugh. Oh. and I, um, I mean, one of the things that's interesting about the the Carol Burnett show, we shall digress for a moment, sure. is you know one of the great things about that show was that they they were actively trying to crack each other up. Mm-hmm. That was that was part of the allure of the show, but part of it was written in. I mean, part of it was they wanted. Mm-hmm. To have that happen because it added to the comedy. It does. Mm-hmm. If it does. if the performers on stage, so some of it was scripted. And Corman, mm-hmm. I, I, the one the one that they could not get to crack up was Vicky Lawrence. Apparently, that was impossible. Yeah, Vicky, she she <laughs> was like steel. Yeah, Vicky Lawrence was was impossible. Tim Conway almost as bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost as bad. It was Carol Burnett and and. And uh, and Harvey Corman mm-hmm. yeah. were the ones who it was like yeah. you could make that happen. But part of it was. They did it on purpose. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, Harvey Corman probably could have held it together, but they were like, no, it's better if you don't. Mm-hmm. So, th- so that, that's the thing about Corman is that you kind of, you, he gets a little bit of a, a knock for always having cracked up on the, mm-hmm. on the Carol Burnett show, but he did it on purpose and he did it in a way that was funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's part of his brilliance, honestly. Mm-hmm. And that's part of why I love watching him is because, you know, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Well, well and he didn't throw it away. He mm-hmm. didn't do it on jokes that weren't worthy. You know, right. it had to be legit funny to, to, to for him to go there, at least. You know? Yeah. And then, and, you know, you've got Conway staring him in the face being like, <laughs> I'm going to make you laugh right now. <laughs> we both know it's going to happen. Oh. And, no, I, I mean, the, the dear listeners, if you've never seen the Carol Burnett show, I think the best example of any of this is I don't even know what to call it. I I always just Google Kasnorka and <laughs> Siamese elephants. The Siamese yeah, elephants. Yeah, the Siamese element elephants. elephants. On Mama's family. On, yeah. 
Oh, Siamese, Siamese elephants gets me every time. <laughs> that's, <laughs> the, that's that's the one time. One time, Vicky Lawrence couldn't couldn't hold it. Oh, oh she <laughs> held it though. She almost made it. Yeah, almost. I wouldn't have been able to handle but, it. Yeah, yeah. So, listeners, uh, YouTube Siamese elephants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you do that, you will find the thing. If you yes. ha- if you haven't seen it, worth it. Harvey Corman and other members of the Carol Burnett Show. But back to Back to Blazing, blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddles. No, you haven't been on this podcast before, Allison. This is totally no, this normal. This is my first time. Yeah, the, tangent, <laughs> the tangents are, are entirely expected and even invited, okay. much like Harvey Corman laughing on The Carol Burnett Show. And, right. and you know, bringing it back home, you know, that, that line, you know, morons, <laughs> ad-libbed, that Cleavon Little's reaction is absolutely genuine because he had yeah. no idea it was coming. <laughs> he had no idea that was coming. You know, but it plays. It's it so well. It's so perfect. well. It's perfect. And yeah, back to what you were saying, the chemistry between the two was fantastic. I could see those two hanging out in real life. Yeah. You know? Yeah, totally. And and they may have, we don't. Yeah, for all yeah, for all oh, apparently they, they <laughs> apparently they took to each other offset too. So yeah, they were nice. they were good friends. And and since Cleveland Little was used to Working on Broadway, Gene Wilder was kind of ushering him in. It's like, okay, here's how you act for a camera. Mm-hmm. Here's what you yeah. have to, to just shuffle around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does not. Uh, unfortunately, Cleavon Little did not have a long. <clears throat> he had a long career, not a long and storied movie career. No, sure. no. Uh, th- this this is. I mean, there are a few other films that he's in that you might have heard of, but really, Vanishing this is, Point. This is his big movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and he Gene, nailed it. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Gene Wilder had a lot more experience. So, you know, and the rest of the cast, there are a lot of really great character actors in there, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, especially a lot of the the townsfolk. David Huddleston, which we've seen like 47 times in the course of this, (laughs) recently even, on this podcast, because he's the Big Lebowski in The Big Lebowski. It's true. And he's uh, the judge and the producers for, you know, a hot second and... He's just all all over the place. The actor and, who was playing Howard Johnson, I feel like I've seen him. In- oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, he was he was Higgins in Magnum P.I. Yes, Thank he you. was. Yes, I thought he was. Not the not the remake in which Higgins is a hot uh, hot karate karate uh, uh, of course, expert. Of course, no. they've done that. Woman, why wouldn't they? Anyway, I don't know. I haven't yes. watched the show. It might I be it might been. be great, but, uh, but I don't know. Hot Higgins that, is kind of great. That, doing that doing that sort of token. That speaks of tokenism to me, and it just uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. yeah, just we'll see. I'm, I'm, yeah, I haven't seen it either, but it's, and, and I may it's never see. Me it, roll but... my eyes so hard. <laughs> just make new awesome female characters. Yes, you don't have to. You don't have, not, you don't not have make to old awesome male. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, but yes, I saw him, and I thought he was Higgins, but I thought there's no way. Yeah. It is the Higgins. He is totally <laughs> it is Higgins. Higgins. So uh, what what else do you have there in your uh, bag of of uh, trivia tricks, Melissa? Well, it's well we have Slim Pickens. Slim Pickens, Slim Pickens. that's right. Yeah, we haven't watched uh, Doctor Strangelove yet. We have not yet on yet. this uh, podcast. But so that is we eventually have to will, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. if not, I will be very upset. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's probably best known for Doctor Strangelove, but he's mm-hmm. a familiar character actor. Um, what most people don't know is that he's not really playing a character when he he's that uh straight straight up cow pokes sort of talking guy that's really who slim picking was <laughs> he um he's a, he came from the rodeo oh. he started uh working rodeo when he was age 12 i think and wow. then did that for 20 years before he got his first film role and nice. Yeah, so he th- that really is kind of what he's like. And so when he was hired on this movie, um he literally kind of all, almost a method actor thing. He just slept outside with his Winchester rifle out there in the desert. Of course he did. <laughs> yes. He was probably excited. He's like, "Ooh, I get to ride a horse." Uh-huh. <laughs> I know how to do that. Yes. <laughs> I'd I'd do that even if I wasn't in a movie. Right? And, and, of course, we have Mongo, who Mongo. is a gentleman named Alex Karras, who was a defensive lineman for the Detroit Lions. Yes, he was. He was a football player. <laughs> yes. He became an actor. He died not too long ago, the last couple of years. Yeah, 20, 2012. Yeah. Oh, a little longer than I thought. But, yes, he, he died not so long ago. He was yeah. also in uh, Victor Victoria. Yes, he was. Who was he in Victor Victoria? He was the bodyguard. Oh. He's the bodyguard who who we discover late in the film 
is okay. actually a closeted gay man. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. so if you need a big mountain of a man, a man who's, mountain, who's a who's a cream a who's a cream puff on the inside. Yes. Yes. yes he's he's that's, very that's good at that. That's his niche. He found it. Yes. yes. <laughs> Mountain man, cream puff. man, mountain, cream puff man, mountain. <laughs> <laughs> Mongo straight. <laughs> oh. Mongo only pawn in game, game of, of life. life. <laughs> oh, oh the, the Mongo stuff was apparently all written by Richard Pryor. <laughs> I, I, and, and that's what something that just amuses me. It's like that's not something I would expect to come out of Richard Pryor, but. No. It makes me no. so happy. <laughs> no, that's that's actually, you know, again, you know, the problematic parts. Like you, you kind of go, I'll bet the the part with the the Yiddish Indian that that was mm. Mel Brooks. Oh yeah, I, I don't see Richard Pryor writing that. No, um, you know, <laughs> but uh, but on the other hand, maybe it was Richard Pryor because he wrote Mongo. So yeah. and. Mongo. I I don't see the Yiddish jokes coming out of Richard Pryor. I no. I know no I don't. No. I feel like Mel Brooks has a pretty solid, solid sort of anchor in that kind of joke. Mm-hmm. And you know, bravo for Mel Brooks bringing in Richard Pryor. They, he brought specifically brought in Richard Pryor just because of the race angle of the script. It's like we need a black guy yeah. on the writing team. A bunch, bunch of white yeah. dudes really shouldn't be writing that. No, which yeah. is really smart. It yeah. is it's really smart. smart because you know there are a lot of movies that that address racism, but they address it from a from a mm-hmm. white person trying to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah perspective and that can be a real challenge yeah um and uh and and here you know the voice the voice feels really accurate <laughs> yes and uh and i and i do like i say the, the ending the way it kind of blends the the western with the modern yeah even though the racism isn't there at that at that point mm-hmm. the 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 fact that he chooses to end it in a modern setting really drives home that idea that the racism we're looking at is not something we should consider part of the era of the film, that yeah. it is a part of a universal era, that it's still going on. Also, by including the KKK, yeah, those modern elements in, you know, and the Nazis and the, the, I, the, the, the way that that uh, when when Hedy Lamar puts together Headley, sorry, <laughs> Headley. Headley. That's Headley. It's so easy to mix it up. I love when it. he puts together his his army of of the worst. Which, by the way, uh, it's funny because I've watched this movie many times and I've mm. heard that list many times, and I did not hear that near the end he included bull dykes. And then I was like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. and mm. Methodists, and Methodists. <laughs> it's like you know, <laughs> so yeah. even you know. So again, there are some problems. That is one. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. but we but, found it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but the fact that they pull in Nazis and they pull in the KKK to kind of go, the racism that we're talking about doesn't end with the Old West. Yeah, it's not a part of history. It's a part of now. Part of now. It's a part of now story. Oof. Uh, what other trivia do we have, Melissa? Well, let's see. Um, when they finally did the test screenings after the final cut, uh, oh, they they screened it for the. Pre- the uh, the execs at Warner Brothers and apparently it was like dead fucking silent. <laughs> and, I am not at all surprised to learn. That. And, and oh my god! Oh my god! Rot? We're going to be gutted. And and so brilliance on Mel Brooks and his team's part. They immediately scrambled together another screening for the employees oh. of Warner mm. Brothers, and mm. that went over really well. And so the the execs went, oh oh. And saw like dollar, dollar signs sign. dancing in front of the Oh, I get it. If we and... show it to people with a sense of humor. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, I, and it, it eventually it, it 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 was like the largest hit of that year, if I remember I, right. It it raked it in was the one dollars. of the top box office films of that year. Yeah, yes. it performed so well that like the following summer, Warner Brothers was like, eh, do we have anything that good? No, now we'll just put up placing saddles again. They put it out again. Yeah, like the following yeah. year. Okay. Yeah, they even they they released it in February, which um, which is kind of even back then was the graveyard for and eh, we don't really care about this movie. Mm-hmm. We'll just kind of dump it in February because nobody cares. Mm-hmm. No, it it 
And it just ran it, and ran and ran. Yeah. That's it had it had yeah. some serious legs. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and and I think it was the farting. No, it was the farting. Always yeah. the farting that does yeah. it. Yeah, it's very special. Very Every special. Every movie with farting goes on to great success. Uh, also, <laughs> Mel Brooks, when he was uh, developing the movie, he he saw John Wayne on the lot one day, and he went, sure. "Yeah, what the hell?" <laughs> he walked over to John Wayne and gave him the script, and was like, "Maybe you want to be in the movie." John Wayne read the script and goes, "No." no. <laughs> <laughs> this is way too dirty for me. But I he thought be, it was hilarious. He thought it was hilarious. He oh, said, okay. "I will be first in line to see this. I'm not going to be in this movie. <laughs> I'm going to do it, but I'll be in your audience." Um, yeah. Let's see what else. Oh, history does not tell us whether or not he was first in line. Yeah, we, we don't, don't have know. that documented. Oh, no, we, we don't. don't. There's no, no there's no Bummer. information on on whether or not John Wayne was first in line. <laughs> so that's a shame. As for the music, that that wonderful theme song. Um, Frankie, Frankie Lane was a uh, musician of that sort of ilk. He rode a blazing saddle. Yeah. And, <laughs> and Mel Brooks, when looking for, he wrote the lyrics, if I remember, like Mel Brooks wrote the lyrics, but mm. he um, actually advertised in the, you know, one of the Hollywood publications looking for a quote, Frankie Lane type singer to sing this song. And like two days later, Frankie Lane himself shows up in the office wondering <laughs> if he can get the job. They never told him it was a comedy. Oh, okay. They, he, Melbourne's just said, here, this is what we want you to sing. Here's the mm-hmm. music. Go for it. Wow. <laughs> and, and so Frankie Lane, until the movie was released, just believed it was a straight-on Western. And and that's exactly what Mel Brooks wanted. He wanted a straight-up, absolutely dead, serious mm-hmm. Western theme song. The whip cracks were not part of the original recording. Sure. That was added later. What did he do? Does anybody know what his thoughts were about it once he finally saw it and realized? I never saw anything about okay. that. But I'm just curious. It's It's... You know, if I, if I remember, ways. <laughs> um, if I remember right, uh, the movie was nominated for an Oscar for original song. Oh, nice. It did not win because it was up against Towering Inferno that year, uh, and that won a whole yeah, bunch it of did, crap. It did not. It, it was not. No, it, the Blazing Saddles did not win for anything. They yeah, because nominated Madeline, for editing. Yeah, and which which were, was also won by Towering Inferno. And for Best Supporting Actress. W- and which means Madeline Kahn was beaten out by. Ingrid Bergman, well, in in, um, in in the Murder on the Orient Murder Express, on the Orient Express, which is a darn shame because Ingrid Bergman is great, but still, yeah. yeah. Oh, Madeline Connors, I watch it. I bet I haven't seen this movie in at least ten years. And watching it this time, I I'm so fascinated by Madeline Kahn's little little song, yeah. which is. I'm tired. Which is a whole <laughs> spoof on Destry Rides Again with okay. uh, Marlene Dietrich. Okay. And it's, first of all, perfect aping of the whole Marlene Dietrich thing of okay. I am a sex symbol. It doesn't matter if I'm on key. <laughs> and <laughs> Which is funny because Madeline Kahn could totally sing on key. She was... Mm-hmm. Operatically. Yeah, she was operatically trained. She could sing opera. Wow. <laughs> She's an amazing singer. As, yeah. as you can tell in uh, Young Frankenstein, which we will get to. Sure. But, yeah, the the whole... It, she's got that f- flat intonality and just mm-hmm. everything. And then... I am putting it, no effort into this because I look pretty, so there... Yeah, and, and <laughs> part of my sexual allure is how much I don't care. <laughs> And mm-hmm. and when she reaches behind her to lean on the pedestal and she That's misses it, <laughs> just just kills me. Yeah. It just absolutely kills me. It's like, oh my god, I've had that moment so often yeah. in my life. <laughs> I'm trying to be cool. Oh shit, I'm not cool. <laughs> yeah, I kind of love that too. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was it was touches. the song "We May Never Love Like This Again" from Towering Inferno that was beaten that beat out. Blazing Saddles. Do we remember that song? No. We Nobody never remembers that, that song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, remo- we remember the Blazing well, Saddles. I've, I've often said that the one thing that the Academy Awards should never do is make any decisions about music because the only decisions they make are bad ones. Yeah. I agree. Because anybody who like watches Aladdin and, go, and you go, oh, 
three songs were nominated from this film for best for best original song, and a whole new world is the one that won. It's like as soon as you find that out, you should be like, they're never allowed to vote on music again. <laughs> Just, just don't even that allow just, it to that happen. Just takes them right out of it. I can't yeah. remember it, the year that Blame Canada was up. What, what won that year? Well, I'll be happy to look that up since okay. I have that on my computer in front of me. I'm also going to say we, that we anybody, should also do South Park bigger, longer, and cut as we should of our also episodes. do that. I'm, I'm also going to say that that any again any group that uh, that nominates two songs from The Lion King and somehow decides that Can You Feel the Love Tonight is better than The Circle of Life. Oh, my God, no. Doesn't deserve to make any decisions. Ever. (laughs) No. So. Meanwhile, I will just drop the little factoid that Le Petamain, which is the last name of the the Hedy Lamar. No, wait. No, the governor. No, the governor. um, Is a reference to... La Pédomaine, who was a Frenchman named Joseph Pujol, who uh, was at the end of the 19th century, performed in France as a fart performer. (laughs) (laughs) He was a professional kind of vaudeville style act. He had apparently. Would you call that a flatulist? A flatulist. Oh, you should. It is a flatulist. Yeah. Is he was really, a flatulist. Really yes. Okay. I just. I, I think there are many other pun-like descriptions for La Pedomaine's job. But all right. By the way, folks. But La Pedomaine. Yes. The, oh, sorry. In in French, La Pedomaine means fart maniac. Oh, so, wow. <laughs> so there we are. Yet another fart More joke. More farts. By the way, uh, the song "Blame Canada" from South Park, bigger, longer, uncut, was beaten by the song <laughs> "You'll Be in My Heart" from Tarzan. <laughs> See, I knew a there film, was something fucked up like a that. A film which also had better music. Yeah. Than the one than the nominated one. But not better than Blame Canada. Not better than not Blame better Canada. Than Blame. There was also a song from Magnolia, which is a fantastic score yeah. by Amy Mann. And then there was also When She Loved Me from Toy Story 2, which will rip your heart out and stomp on it about yeah. 50 million times. But yep. no. I, I would winner, still vote for Blame Canada. The winner was Phil Collins. For you'll be in my heart. Just so you know. <laughs> Academy. Anyway, Nothing uh, this is why we no. bitch about the Academy Awards a lot on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, so we are getting near the point of final thoughts. So Melissa, I'm okay. going to have to see if we have any important trivia that we have not gotten to yet. Well, let's see the the Howard Johnson's jokes. I am so sad or so old that nobody, nobody gets, gets them. Anymore. I get them. I get them. Yeah. I get them. The, especially the orange roof. The orange roof. Yeah. <laughs> the orange roof. There, on there is Johnson's apparently on one house. Howard Johnson's left. Oh really? It is in. Uh, oh, Surprise, I wrote this down. One. Yeah, there's one. Is it's, it the one in Illinois? In, the one that no. that's, that goes over the freeway? No, Lake George. Am New I York, the only but, person that no, remembers? I remember that one. Because my grandmother lived in Chicago, and there were, and there, and we would drive to Chicago a few mm-hmm. times a year, and you'd you'd drive the tollway to her house, and there was a Howard Johnson's yeah. that was over the freeway. It was the overpass? Basically. It was it was yeah. the overpass was Howard Johnson. We never stopped there. I never ate no. at Howard Johnson, but I remember. I, what's wrong with you? Driven, I, I remember as a child driving under that at some point. Exactly. I don't remember where we were going or why we were there, but I remember driving under that. But I I mean I assume I believe Howard Johnson's is essentially. Perkins. Yeah, kind of. But anyway, Orange Roof. Orange yes. Roof. Yes. Yes. Uh, also, an, another dated joke is the yes no markings on the back of the Brahma Bowl. Yes. Because uh, I didn't get that. School buses used to have like yes or no. It's okay to pass on this side, not on this oh. side on the back. So that's that's so where that yes, was from. Okay. We should also mention the Randolph Scott joke. Which Randolph is, Scott. Randolph Scott. He was a. I think that's over my head. Yeah, he was an actor in westerns, just a whole bunch of stuff. And his his typical character was always the the sheriff in white. The, he was the hero actor. Uh, yeah, he was. He was. I am the hero. He walked in, and he was the hero. You'd do sure. it for Randolph Scott. Oh well, yeah, good point. Well, of course, yeah. And since you brought him up, we'll do it too. <laughs> and. Um, a lot of the set was used for Westworld, which we recently mm, watched. We did recently watch Westworld. And I need to watch that. Mm, too late. Well, not necessarily. It's not. It's not like we burned the film after we watched it. <laughs> we I should burn the film. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> also, when uh, they they pull out and the, and you can see the rest of the Warner Brothers lot, uh-huh. you can see part of the Dukes of Hazard set. Nice. Uh, oh God! There's also uh, when they're fighting in the streets and they kind of all spill out in front of the uh, Warner Brothers front 
mm-hmm. front sign. There's like one guy standing in the corner looking very confused. It was just this passerby who <laughs> kept wandering into the shot and they kept going, no, get, get. And he just would not get it. He would just keep wandering confused into the shot. So finally they gave him a waiver and then just <laughs> shot around him. <laughs> Wow. You know, as long yeah. as the guy signed a waiver, sure. yeah. then it was his own fault if he got hit by all those actors running out right? of the <laughs> studio. Uh, so uh, let's see. Also, uh, Max Brooks, who is Mel Brooks' son, mm-hmm. was born during production, and we may know him now by uh, the fact that he wrote World War Z. Oh. There you go. And mm. uh, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Oh, when Madeline Kahn went in... F- to basically audition for this part, mm-hmm. Mel Brooks asked to see her legs, and she went, oh, it's this sort of audition, right? And she turns to go out, and he goes, no, 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 no. I want you to basically be uh, Marlene Dietrich, and I went, like in Destry Rides again, she straddles the, uh, the straddles a chair, and I just want to make sure your legs are... Mm-hmm. Like up to the task, basically. I'm the, a happily up, married man. Up to the Marlena Dietrich task. Yes. yes. And so Madeline Kahn was like, "Oh, okay, fine." And she pulls up, pulls up her dress, and you know, shows him her legs, and it's like, no touching. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Madeline Kahn. We love you, Madeline. I love you, Madeline Kahn. <laughs> well done. Love All right, you so, so much. Uh, so I, I think it is time for final thoughts. We've been talking about this fine movie for a while, so we do uh, like to throw a final thought to our new person first. So Allison. Uh, a final thought about Blazing Saddles. Wow, I'm uh, I'm sort of drawing a blank. I final thoughts. I loved it. I had a great time with it. I see why people still watch it and enjoy it. I've had this recommended to me by friends and just never gotten around to seeing it. And um, yeah, to my friend Jay, I get it. <laughs> All right. Hope you listen, Jay. If not. That makes no sense to anybody. Nope. <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> final thoughts? Slim Pickens is not his real name. What's his real name? <laughs> it is Lewis Burton Lindley Jr. There's a good reason for changing wow. it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and so, so when, he, when he went out to do rodeo, he uh, basically his father wouldn't allow him to go out and compete mm-hmm. in rodeo, so he had to perform under basically a stage name. And so he asked the guy running the rodeo that day, well, what should my stage name be? And the rodeo goes, ah, I, don't, I don't care, but you know, it's going to be Slim Pickens out there for you know, the, <laughs> the calf roping. And he goes, oh, Slim Pickens, that'll be good. <laughs> and so now uh, he, he does, well, did, he passed away in 1983. He, he had a brother called Easy Pickens. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, so a rodeo family, yeah. a rodeo family. So my final thought, uh, just I, I I really enjoyed this movie. I feel that it goes a little a little off in the final in the final bits. It's like there's one joke too many. Mm-hmm. Like the pie fight in the commissary is kind of like okay, got it. I do like the tourists um, coming out covered I in did, pie. I did too. The, the, the tourists covered in pie, and I know it, 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 it. And and if we didn't have the pie fight, you wouldn't have Harvey Corbin coming out of face. the bathroom going. I know it, 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 and and you know, watching it again, I kind of go, yeah, but there's so many things in that pie fight that are funny that mm-hmm. it's it's kind of okay, and so it, it is. There's there's this excess thing. Mel Brooks kind of had this pie fight mentality in times to the way he created a film, and that he just threw pies at the jokes, yes. <laughs> joke pies at the audience, and, yeah. and not all of them hit, but he just kept throwing pies. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's that that pie fight to me is like Mel Brooks in a in a in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Is I'm just going to keep that's throwing pies at the audience, and some of them are going <laughs> to hit, and some of them aren't, and that's okay because I'm just going to keep throwing these pies. Yeah. So that is Blazing Saddles. We are going to continue mm. on our Mel Brooks set. Our next episode will be about Young Frankenstein, also by Mel Brooks. So you should come back and listen to that one when we do that. So thanks for listening, and uh, thanks Allison for being here. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. This was fun. All right, and we'll uh, catch everybody next time. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee,